welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Woodbeck. All right, everybody, we are excited to be back for another episode. We're missing a few of our hosts, so we're going to be crossing the tightrope without a net underneath us, and hopefully everything goes okay. Let's uh, highlight our other co-hosts. Co-hosts, why don't you go ahead and welcome? Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. I think people know who I am. But we're delighted today to have a special guest, and it's my distinct pleasure to introduce my son, Trent White. Trent, welcome to the pod. Thank you. I'm excited. We're glad to have you here. I will start out. Trent, I want to know what you can tell us about the adventure that you just had in southern Utah. So Worldwide Trekking does a big five national parks trip. So there's five national parks in Utah that are world famous. Everyone sees southern Utah pictures, the Red Rock. We do a trek where you go and stay one or two nights at each park. So after eight days, you've hiked 10, 15 miles in, in nice places in the parks and you learn all about geology and geography and how they're all special and different from each other. Because most people think who haven't been there, it seems like it can all be almost the same, but they're all so distinct from each other that it's really exciting to go see. We do a trek down there and I think you said you guys had a Seawis one yes, next year. Yes, I'm so excited that you mentioned it. So we actually do. As companion piece to the 2024 summit, we are going to be doing kind of an abbreviated version. I know certainly the Mighty Five that you mentioned is a little bit longer than thought people would have time for between coming for that trek and the summit. And so we're doing a four day, three night adventure to see a couple of the parks leading into the summit. So people will be able to come for the weekend and then, you know, slide right into the meeting when it starts on Thursday morning. They're hitting arches. They'll be doing Canyonlands so they can see Newspaper Rock, Sago Lily Ghost Town, you know, a variety of interesting things. So tell us what we're getting excited about. So the cool thing about the Southern Utah Mighty Five or just going to those parks is the hiking is moderate, which is nice. So you have more or less options to cover a lot of distance or not as much and you still get the full effect for sure. Newspaper Rock, like you mentioned, is awesome. It's one of the only places in the world where you can see 8,000 years to 500 years ago of hieroglyphs and pictographs and stuff like that. But yeah, an abbreviated thing would be the same. It's just awesome. Which one's your favorite, Trent? It's a hard question. Zion's awesome, but it's really crowded. But um, Arches is cool. I think the science behind how the arches form is, is a lot more intriguing than the other parks. It's all cool for sure, but the way Arches just has so much in one spot. Which one's really cool. most remote? Canyonlands, for sure. There's three parts of Canyonlands. There's the island in the sky, and then down below there's the needles, and then there's the maze side. The needles side is just, there's no one down there. It's super far. Even if you're in Moab, it's about 100 miles south. Or if you're in a small town, it's down in southern Utah. It's pretty far north from those. Those parks, we went there on Memorial Day weekend on the last trip I was on, and we saw three people. Oh, my goodness. So if it's in a time that isn't a busy weekend for national travel, it'll be super remote, and it's really grand. It's awesome. That's very cool. I, I agree with you about the issues with crowding in Zion. What are your thoughts about these new permit or it's a timed entry system? I know I've heard friends of mine that are avid National Parks fans and happen to be one as well. There's a little bit of love-hate with it, right? Of not letting things get overcrowded, but if you don't get a pass, then not getting into where you wanted to go, you know? So I, I have really mixed emotions. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I think it's cool. You know, you want everyone to go experience it as much as possible too. It's everyone's park, you know, the way national parks are designed, everyone pays for it. It's not a state thing, you know. The permits are better for more dangerous hikes on exposed stuff like Angel's Landing is one that you have to have. When you get a lot of crowd and people that just becomes more dangerous. A lot of people were falling. But the permit system is nice because it is a lottery. It is a love-hate for sure because it makes it less crowded but then sometimes you might not be able to go do it if you go there yeah. all the time. So Hard to kind of cope with that if, if you have your heart set on something. I was trying to plan a hike last fall and you know, just could not get a permit for the small windows that I had available. And man, I was frustrated. But on the flip side, I did get a permit for something else I wanted to do this summer. And so, you know, in that case, now I'm super excited because it won't be overcrowded and I won't be, you know, dealing with throngs of people. So it's definitely got pluses and minuses, I think. Zion is really the only park that has that issue. So that's nice, at least. Yeah. The other parks are pretty remote. Even on busy days, there's 5% of what is at Zion on any day. Yeah. So. so Trent... This part of Utah is not strange to you. You actually attend college down in that neck of the woods. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I go to um, Southern Utah University and an outdoor recreation and tourism major. So I spend a lot of my free time out in those parks. And so doing this trip was a lot of fun. And yeah, there's a lot of cool places if you have a guide that's in the know that, you know, you won't find a lot of people. So, Well, so Trent, tell me with this type of program what's your long-term goal what what are we aiming for out of a degree from southern utah university as part of your program you know it's a good way to be able to afford to travel and do all these things that i really want to do of course it's a good skill i mean i like people and yeah i don't know i, I feel like it's just a good place i enjoy meeting all the new people on each trip and especially in southern utah i'm able to experience seeing that stuff for the first time again with groups of people and so I see a lot of stuff that I don't necessarily see the first time or every time I go. Yeah, I just want to be able to travel a lot and do these things with. I think that's so important. So I will disclose, I have been trying to summit, you know, the mountains in the contiguous 48. And there are some of them that you really don't want to go do alone, right? And obviously I'm a single person. And so then I'll look to local guide shops to find someone that will just go walking with, you know, not because I need their instruction or I can't do it myself, but I also don't want to be out there alone if an animal comes by or, you know, some other scary thing. And I am surprised at how challenging it can be to find outfits that are available to just go to some of these locations or that have, you know, the ability to hire someone to be your hiking buddy for a day or a couple of days. So I think it's, it's actually something that we could use more of. As people in my shoes, I definitely could use more of that. And I think people, even like my parents, you know, they're not avid hikers. They don't know exactly what they're looking for. But if someone will take them and show them, they're all in. They definitely like that. So I think it's a really valuable skill. There's a lot more people nowadays, I feel like, who want to do grand things. And there's not a big shortage on teams that'll take you to extreme places, for sure. But even just as population growth, even in Salt Lake, if you want to go do some cool climbs and you don't, you know, have someone to take yeah. you, that'd be a good thing. So yeah, there's a lot of possibilities with it. I have a friend who moved into a new city and immediately joined a hiking club so that then he could start meeting more people and, you know, kind of branch out. And I think, you know, sometimes those are, are tricky to locate, like reputable companies and reputable guides, you know, so I think you're on the right track as a person who likes other people and likes to do this kind of work. I think there's definitely a good market there. Tell us about your upcoming adventure. So it's very similar to the Southern Utah Mighty Five, but for 14 days, we do the same thing just in the Alps. We're going from Matterhorn to Mount Blanc, doing a lot of hikes and day excursions there, but then you stay in towns at night. Um, so it's not necessarily backpacking, 
but you get close to 100 miles of hiking in 13 days in, you know. And so I'm pretty excited about that. I was asked to go along about two weeks ago. So I'm getting ready for that one, too. That sounds like a very cool life experience. This is a yeah, good way to spend your summer, for sure. Particularly when Dad doesn't have to pay for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, let's cut to the chase here. <laughs> it's how I afford it, yeah. That's there you so go. true. Well... Yeah, well, let's don't leave the audience with the impression that I never took you anywhere fun because that's you, we know we know that's not true. That's why I, you know get a passion for this for sure is the opportunities that we've had. Well, so. I remember a very cold group of us sitting on top of Kilimanjaro waiting for wind to die down. So I can vouch that definitely there have been some cool adventures. I think you're headed that direction again or hoping to, right? Back to Keeley. Yeah, I'm actually going back. January 8th, so six months from now. Almost exactly a year since we failed our summit. I'm so envious. I was chatting with Dr. Kim at the summit, and he was saying that he and Jackie talk about it regularly, and they wanted to know if I had picked my date to go back, and, you know, I told them I had not yet. I, it's just difficult to, you know, kind of work into the work schedule. So when I heard you're going, I definitely have the itch. So Trent, another quiz question. Which is harder, a continuous rim-to-rim Grand Canyon run or a summit of Mount Rainier? You've done both. Which one's harder? For me, rim-to-rim, for sure. The Rainier, besides the 16-hour summit day when you descend, that's a pretty rough day. But um, I don't know. The way we do rim-to-rim, we we run it and we make it much harder than it has to be. Of course we do. Because I have some friends who've done rim-to-rim and they take double the time. So yeah, you're down there longer, but you have way more stuff or they backpack it overnight. But the Rainier was really fun. The altitude doesn't bother me or anything like that. But I've only done it once and I think we had a pretty good summit window. You know, perfect weather besides it was windy, but... Yeah, those 60 and 70 mile hour winds weren't perfect, but they were. <laughs> they weren't they were, perfect, but it was only for the last bit. It was only for the last that bit. That makes sense. Well, I think the other hard part about the Grand Canyon is just as your energy is really depleting for the second half, that's when you're starting your uphill climb out of the gut, you know? And so that is especially challenging, right? I mean, the nice part about Rainier, when I went, we were able to just glissade down the mountain for part of it, you know, which is great. You're tired, you know, your quads are killing you, so you just sit down and bum scoot down, but there's uh, certainly none of that going on in the Grand Canyon. So it is every step you feel. Yeah, the Grand Canyon, you destroy yourself on the way down because you have a very intense hike. That could be a hike by itself and to get to the bottom. And then you still have 10 miles and a mile up a vertical to climb out. So it's just harder, definitely. But it's fun. It's such a beautiful place. I thought I was a bit of an outdoors person, but it sounds like I'm not. I've been just briefly acquainted comparison, but that's okay. Right. All sorts for different types. Now, Dr. Hansen, I know Acadia is in Maine, but is it close to where you were located when you were living there? It was probably about an hour away. And Acadia is a wonderful place to go. If you've not gone, you definitely should. Maine itself is tremendous. You know, it ends or begins the Appalachian Trail, depending on which way you decide to go. You know, Mount Katahdin is the the apex, the tallest mountain that you climb on that entire length of trail. And it's very remote from Maine, at least. Not quite so remote as a lot of the places in the Southwest, right? Is there any coastline, Carl? Maine has, depending on whose measurements you go off of, has like the third largest coastline in the continental U.S. It's like 3,000 miles of coastline. But that's because it's just zigzags all over the place. Of course, like California and Alaska have a similar thing. But yeah, I mean, it's huge. And then after college, I moved to upstate New York and was right outside the Adirondacks, which aren't a national park, 
but you can fit a lot of the national parks inside of them. Such a beautiful park. It is. I really like the Adirondacks. Yeah. Which peak was Theodore Roosevelt attempting to climb when he got the word that he was now president because McKinley was assassinated, you know? Was it like Mount Marcy or something? Mount Marcy, I think. I think. It, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Mount Marcy, and, and he received notification by telegram that he was now going to be the president. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. I like it. Well, I have a couple more questions. So, Trent, our summit next year is April 11 through 13. So our abbreviated Mighty Trek is the 7th through the 10th. And I recognize that that falls over the school semester. But what are the odds that we can uh, talk you into blowing off school for a few days? Do not let your father's face influence this decision. Being one of the guides for our group, I think that'd be pretty fantastic. Yeah, I mean, if that's something that, you know, Dean lets me do, then I'm absolutely all for it. It's just three days. Absolutely. You know, you know, life experiences need to happen. School, you can always go back to. That's how I feel about that. Do you have any classes or things that sort of fall in line with any of this? Because this seems like things that people eat up. I'm not sure if it's over a weekend, that's much more helpful. So if there's anything that people like, it's exposure to people in a certain field. Right. So if you have, if there's a way to spin this, right, and you get a couple of your classmates who all, given that you're in this, this major, enjoy doing certain things like being outdoors. Professors will like it if I'm in, um, you know, that's what I'm getting the degree for. And so it is a good sell to say, I have an opportunity to go guide an international group of chest wall surgeons and reconstructionists who just put people back together that come from places like yes. this, right? Play the emotional you card. Do. I like this. Lay you into do. the lay into the pathos of the situation. You know, Carl, you're clearly experiencing this, this I mean, yes. phenomenon. Trent, the next time clearly. you need to negotiate something with your parents, call Dr. Hansen first and he's going to give you the best tips because he clearly is good at this. He's got this nailed. Yeah, you, you want to maximize your opportunities, right? So true. Absolutely. I think there's a good chance, so. That'll be very good. So I have another yeah. question for you. What was a time when you recognized, I am in a dangerous situation right now, this could go really badly? Like what? what is your most extreme situation? And again, do not let your father's face influence you if the answer is something that you haven't told him before. Because you can tell us, it's really just, you know, Dr. Hansen and I. Is it like in my experience of being yes. outdoors? He was there. I mean, I've almost drowned before in big waves when we were in Hawaii one time. After we had been swimming in the water, it just takes a little part. But when you're guiding, I guess, you make sure that you don't get put in those situations. When we were down there three weeks ago, it's been a really rainy June and rainy spring. And the snowmelt has been crazy. And so... It only takes a little bit, you know, when water's running low. Right now, the narrows are flowing at, you know, 1,000 or, or 1,100. What's the... CFS, cubic feet per second. And they don't let you in there unless it's, you know, 200 or below. So right now, it's 500% of what it usually is. There's situations like that. It just wouldn't be smart to go in there. It'd be very cool and different. Um, but when we were going from Zion to Bryce, there's a place called Buckskin Gulch, and it's the largest slot canyon in the world. Um, and there's a reason for that. With the way the snow melt and whenever the... The weather turns foul all the water in that area goes straight to that point and there's a reason that it's the biggest slot canyon in the world you know it saws every now and then and you don't want to be in there when it does and so we were planning on going there but the weather was bad so you just make that decision to not go and unfortunately that same weekend three people died by getting washed away by a flash flood from the rainy storm that was kind of scary we didn't go of course and we made that decision but that's a more recent thing that don't put yourself in that so position true. 
The other hazard is when you're down in these canyons, you can't see the sky. Not at all. You see what's right above you. And it's not even that. Even if you can't see the rain, it doesn't mean it's not happening 50 miles away. They're scary moments, but I think they're they're fantastic when you get done with them. There's such a feeling of accomplishment and that rush of, you know, gratitude for the moment and, and all of that. I think I think you've picked a field that will be self-reinforcing again and again. Well, before we leave you, any story you want to share, any fantastic anecdote that we should know about Dr. White that you think the listeners would like to hear that just really would give us kind of that piercing glance into what you don't see behind the curtain? Not really. I don't. I Not, <laughs> not anything safe. that like people this. wouldn't know. I yes. So. I'm safe. <laughs> Hope that your trip to Europe is fantastic. I'm having such... Fantastic envy for you. Thank you. I'm excited. The Alps are cool. I'm, I'm just excited. Absolutely. Thanks, Trent. Very cool. Yeah, thank you. You got 48 hours to get me a gift. I think he just gave it to you. He could have outed you on some sort of really, you know, awkward story. He had a chance and he couldn't, he could not think of anything. That's so. not what he said. He did not say he couldn't think of anything. I think this is his pre-Father's Day gift to you. I see. Well, he's a wonderful kid and a great human being. Very proud of him. So that's all the gift I need. Sarah, do we have any updates? We sure do. And I'm going to roll through them quickly. We have a handful of things coming up in terms of our educational activities in the next few weeks. So case review is on June 28th. It'll be at 1 o'clock Mountain Time. And then we will have Journal Club on July 12th which will also be one o'clock mountain time. So those are our next two most immediate educational activities. Long-term planning, we are getting all geared up for our member recruitment and retention opportunities to get together, have food and fun. And we will be attending the AAST in Anaheim. Um, CWIS will be at the OTA in Seattle. And then CWIS will be at the American College of Surgeons in Boston. So if you are attending any of those meetings or you have friends or colleagues that you want to send our way for food and beverage, please feel free to keep an eye out on the newsletter, send them the information, sign up yourself. We are just always looking forward to seeing some of our friends and colleagues in person and being able to break bread together. So let us know if you're attending any of those meetings and want to participate. Fantastic. So, Trent, we wrap things up by doing something called the final stitch. I have one, and I want to tell a story. Uh, earlier this week, I got up early to exercise, and I left my garage door open briefly, and I ran back in the house to grab a smoothie, and I came back out. And at that moment, I didn't realize it until later in the day because of the ring camera across the street, but somebody had helped themselves to my triathlon bike from the garage. <laughs> And the door could have been open more than two or three minutes. And so that was a pretty bold move. But it reminded me, the reason I'm bringing it up is because it reminded me of, of Dr. Griffinstein when we were on a call with him. And I believe it was this podcast. I'm not certain. I think it was during when we did the online summit. That's what it was. That's right. During COVID. And he had his bike stolen as he was sitting in his house. And he saw the guy run away with his bike so i just had to chuckle and no matter how bad something is there's always someone that has an experience that's a little bit similar but worse and so patrick thank you for making me chuckle in my episode of grief i appreciate that so that's my final stitch i do remember that we suddenly saw him dart off screen and that was really quite a day all right who's next carl yeah, sure. I can go. All right. So it's been a little bit since I was here last. Uh, I missed Dr. Dobin's talk, which was very enjoyable to listen to and to edit. But in the time since I last was here, I closed on my house. 
I got the lady who was living here to finally leave. That's a story for another <laughs> time. those things happen in conjunction. One would yes. imagine. And I'm slowly getting stuff together. I am now officially, per my programs telling me today, a PGY2. So that's great, even though I would Yay. think it'd be like July 1st, but ooh, I know, right? How fun. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm trying to keep as much of work out of this as I can to try to break the mold, right? Set a new precedent as a PGY2. And with the house, I have so many more things to now take up my time in addition to still learning medicine and surgery and everything in between. That's kind of me. That's what's been on my mind. It's graduation night tonight. So... We're in for a good time. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'll have a Diet Coke in your honor. That'd be very nice. Trent. Like the bike thing, I guess. This might be a stab at you, but me and my mom are very, we're notorious door lockers and garage shutters, but I do the exact same thing almost every day. Not anymore, but I'll, I'll go out to my car to go to the gym or something and run inside for two minutes because I forgot something. And it's, it's just a bold move. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been thinking about that. Very good. That's so frustrating. Well, interesting, though, that your neighbor had one of those ring cameras. I think you said that you can see the person, right? More or less. They're standing in the silhouette. Mm. It was dark. Yeah, I'm sure at five it wasn't wasn't very visible. That's so frustrating. Well, hopefully it comes back and then Trent will have a new bike and you can have set with the, the new bike that you acquired this week. So win-win all the <laughs> way around. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. It might just magically return. Someone took it. Yeah, you know, we have no this, idea. This could be a plot for a novel. You know. Yes. <laughs> My final switch actually has to do with um, the Grand Canyon, which we were just chatting about. So when I started my basement remodel, which feels like the never-ending Sisyphean task that it is, I commissioned to have a stained glass window made of the Grand Canyon, and it's kind of an amalgamation of a couple different photos because I wanted it to be able to. I wanted you to be able to see like blue sky, see the canyon or see the river cutting through the canyon and then also see the greenery. And it's difficult to find a photo that shows all of that. And so I gave the artist kind of a couple of photos and then she did a couple of different tweaks and finally made a picture out of it that we agreed on and selected glass. And, you know, it, it has been a labor of love, but I got to bring it home this week and I'm so excited. So the window installer is coming next week, and I have been just waiting for this so perfect spot to just kind of celebrate my love of the Grand Canyon and have this fabulous treasure in my house. So once it's up, I'll post a picture of it either in Slack or on our Twitter feed or something that we can celebrate that the CUS office now has the Grand Canyon uh, touch. I'm so pumped. It's that sounds very cool. lovely. I'm not even, that's not even a brag. It's just flat out cool. And she's very talented, so I'm grateful to know her. So anyway. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Fun episode. Okay. Well, it was fun to chat with you guys. Have a wonderful Father's Day if we don't chat before then. Chris sends his love. Okay. Bye, guys. Have a good day. All right. See ya. Have a good day. Nice to meet you, Trent. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Trent.